0: Welcome back to the Helio Hormones Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle. Today I'm joined by Trudy Stone, who is a certified culinary nutritionist, founder of Trudy Stone Nutrition, podcast host, and TV guest wellness expert who educates people about nutrition solutions for managing stress and anxiety. From healthy habits to brain health, Trudy is passionate about empowering people to build healthier habits and unlock the power of food to build a strong and vibrant brain and body. Trudy is also the creator of the RISE method, a step-by-step framework to help people to overcome stress, overwhelm, and fatigue. So let's get to the episode. All right, Trudy, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to chat with you and share your knowledge with my listeners.
1: Thanks for having me, Danielle. So great to be here.
0: So, to start us off, I'd love for you to tell us a bit about yourself and really how you got into wellness and the health space.
1: Yeah, so I am a certified culinary nutritionist. So, that just really means that I'm an expert in the therapeutic properties of food to both manage as well as prevent certain types of illnesses. And how I got into health and wellness, it was a very long and windy road. But, you know, like most women, I struggled with weight most of my life. And when I got married, about eight years ago, I wanted to lose weight like most women and like most brides. So I went on this quest to lose weight, but I promised myself that I was going to do things differently this time because throughout my life, when I was you know, trying to lose weight, it was always like one fad diet after the next. And the weight loss never really stuck. Right. It never really just stayed off. It always came right back like a lot of women. So I decided, you know what, this time when I lose weight, I want to lose it this time, like once and for all, and not have to be back on this diet hamster wheel. So I started implementing a lot of different things. I started you know, looking at a lot of different research studies. Like I'm someone who will read like medical journals and research studies just for fun, just because I find them really interesting to see the advancements that people are making. So I started doing this. I started applying a lot of the things that I was finding on myself in terms of you know, weight loss and losing weight, like adding in more protein and adding in more fats, both of which I was afraid to add in before because I thought they would make me gain weight, right? So I started applying these different things on myself and I started to notice that I actually started to lose weight and it was, it was more effortless than it had been in the past. But what I had really noticed more than anything was that with all of these changes that I was making, they were actually becoming habits. And that's when I started to realize that habits really were the key, not just to losing weight, but to just eating healthier, more consistently. Because a lot of women struggle, not just with weight loss, but with just eating healthy, more consistently, they have desire to do it, but they just can't do that. So I actually, you know, went back to school, became a culinary nutritionist because the more that I learned was the more that I wanted to know and the more that I wanted to help people. And that's how I got to where I am today and wrote a book all about my journey and all of the habits that I use that to help me to eat healthy more consistently.
0: I love that. Yeah. I think building sustainable habits long-term is something I talk about with my patients all the time because, you know, we want like the quick fix or we want to see results so fast, but When we take on too much at once, we tend to not, we tend to fall off the wagon really quickly, right? We like burn out, we hit a wall with it. So it's really important. Like if we want success five years from now, 10 years from now to build those habits and not just look at, okay, well, what am I going to get out of this in the next two to three weeks?
1: Absolutely, Danielle. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And I like when you talked about doing too many different things at once, because that was also a mistake that I made as well. Um, So that time when I was on that journey, I decided to just start with one thing. So it started with awareness. And really, when you're trying to make any changes to your diet or in your life, you have to know where you're starting, right? Because when you know where you're starting, then it's almost like, okay, it's like plugging an address into your GPS. Like now you have the destination of where it is that you want it to go. So I started tracking what I was eating just for about a week, just to kind of understand like some of what what some of my eating habits were, because a lot of times we think we're doing better than we actually are. But then when we see it in black and white, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like I was actually eating eight cookies and I thought I was eating two. Right. (laughs) So I started tracking everything I was eating and I realized I was putting so much sugar into my coffee. So that's where I started. I started by pulling back on the sugar in my coffee. And then when I started to get these small wins under my belt, like drinking coffee without a ton of sugar, then I started to add on something else and then something else rather than trying to change everything all at once. And I also think that really made the difference for me because those small wins really do give you momentum to help you to propel forward.
0: I love that. And I know that you talk about like turning stress into your superpower Could you tell us more about the rise method that you've developed?
1: Yeah, you know, Danielle, the the idea behind turning stress into your superpower and the rise method is this, nobody is, is free of stress. It's always going to be there, but you can master the way that you react to it and rise above it so that it no longer has this immense sense of control over you. So I always encourage people, women specifically, because we as women carry so many different demands in life To look at stress as an invitation and almost like a gift to understand what areas of my life do I need to redesign so that I don't feel this way. So look at stress in that sense as a good thing because it can help you to redesign your life to make it more in line with the values that you have and the goals that you have for your life. So the RISE system has four steps um, and the R, it stands for rumination. And this is an important one, Danielle, I'm um, ruminating, I'll just explain this for people in case they don't know what that is. That's when you tend to dwell on situations that are distressing or that are upsetting. You replay them over and over and over again in your head, right? So for example, that could be, you know, you're at work, maybe you said something to a colleague that you shouldn't have said, and now you keep replaying that situation over and over and over again in your mind. We've all done that. I've done that before too. But when you do that you're actually training the emotional part of your brain to become stronger and that means you're going to be more likely to spend more time ruminating in the future right so again i say let that energy of stress because stress really is an energy form let that be the thing that actually drives you towards where it is that you want to go okay um so with the rumination what i like to teach people is a method called catch release replace have you ever heard of that before no Okay. So it goes a little bit, something like this. And I always encourage people to close their eyes when they do this. Cause I find that it really just helps you to kind of tune everything out, but don't do this when you're driving. <laughs> so, you know, you take a deep breath in and on that deep breath in, you really want to catch that thought that's really upsetting you or distressing you. And then you want to exhale. And then on the inhale, you want to just say, thank you for protecting me. Because really when we have these thoughts, it's just our brain's way. It's just doing what but naturally it's meant to do, to just protect you. So in the next inhale in, you just say, thank you for protecting me. And then you exhale and then you inhale again and you try to replace that thought with something more empowering. It could be, you know, I've gotten through challenging situations before, and I will get through this situation again, right? It could be something as simple as that, but even just stopping where you are and just taking some deep breaths that's going to help to activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is almost like putting the brakes on stress. So deep breathing, if you do nothing else, I say deep breathing is like your best place to start when you're feeling that stress in the moment.
0: I love that. I think that that especially could be helpful at night for people who struggle to fall asleep because they're thinking about what happened that day. Um, you know, it's important. I work a lot with women and their hormones and sleep is such a huge component of it. And so often I hear, you know, like my body's tired, my mind is just racing at night. And that's something so easy they can do laying in bed to try and kind of shut off those thoughts and fall asleep easier.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Danielle. And so the I in rise stands for inflammation Um, and stress is the inflammatory response in our bodies, right? So when you sprain an ankle, that places physical stress on your body and creates inflammation, runny nose and a cough. Those are symptoms of inflammation in the body. Um, So inflammation is a risk. So it's not always a bad thing. It's a good thing in those instances, because, again, your body's trying to protect you. Um, But inflammation is a risk factor for over, I think, 30 different medical illnesses, anything from like cancer to diabetes to dementia, even depression as well. Okay. so one thing that contributes a lot of inflammation in the body, though, is the standard American diet. So this is the diet that most of us are eating these days, right? So a lot of processed foods, a lot of sugar and very little fruits and vegetables, you know, whole grains and things like that. So the thing is, when you eat these foods, these processed foods that contain, you know, chemicals like red dye number five or things that, you know, you can't even pronounce your body sees that as an injury, right? So inflammation is how your body tries to repair itself. So that's kind of why these foods create inflammation in the body. But you know, some of the foods that people are turning to to manage stress are actually formulated to have you hooked and have you keep coming back for more. And I covered this on one episode of my podcast. You guys can look it up. It's all about hyper palatable foods, but essentially these are almost like man-made foods that are engineered to hit certain points on your tongue, certain bliss points they call them on your tongue so that you actually keep coming back for more, right? And in fact, you know, some of the areas of the world that have the highest rates of depression also have the highest sugar intake. So I don't think there's any coincidence there at all. Um, So we definitely want to be adding in some of those anti-inflammatory foods to our diet and so many yummy foods to choose from, Danielle. We got like dark leafy greens, we got blueberries, um, green tea, turmeric. I love making like a mango smoothie, putting a little bit of turmeric in there. It's probably one of my favorite ones. Um, But just try to like, don't think about all the things you can't have. Try to think about adding in some things instead.
0: I love that. Yeah, I always have that conversation, you know, of like, don't have a restriction mentality, like, how can we use food as medicine to add more foods to our plate to either support our hormones, support our nutrient levels, support energy, whatever it is. Um, I think like variety is really important to like you mentioned, getting like more fruits and vegetables. I feel like people like, and I know I do this, Like, get in a rut of like, these are my four foods that I go to every day. So like maybe going for that food in the grocery store, the food at the farmer's market where like, you're like, I'm not really sure what to do with this or how to use it, but just try and like push yourself out of your comfort zones. So you're getting exposed to more variety.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like see it as an adventure in life. everything comes down to perception, Daniel. It's all about the way that we, you know, perceive things and all, the, all about the way that we interpret things. So if we see eating healthy as a chore or something we have to do. We're not going to want to do it right? So we have to enjoy that process. So when you find those new foods, like you mentioned, maybe you even just document your journey, like, Hey, you know what, I'm going to be trying rutabaga today. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to document my journey. These are what I'm making with the rutabaga, even if it doesn't turn out, just have fun with it. And if you don't like it, try something else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we've got rumination, inflammation,
1: And then S is for stress busting nutrients. And I think this is probably my favorite part of the RISE method because these days we often tend to treat illnesses and diseases with prescription drugs or risky surgeries. And all of this before we even stop to consider what we're putting on our plate. Right. I know. Well, dietary recommendations have been suggested by experts for everything for managing, you know, diabetes, high cholesterol, Food really hasn't been the recommended protocol for mental health until now. And there's so many different emerging studies coming out. I think the most popular one was the smiles trial. If you've heard of this one, Danielle, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the SMILES trial, they took two different groups of patients. Um, You know, long story short, like one group of patients was just given social support, while the other group was given that social support, but also a Mediterranean style diet, right? So a lot of uh, fruits and vegetables, you know, fish and that sort of thing. And then when they followed these two groups over 12 weeks, what they found was the other group that had the social support as well as that food intervention they actually showed their their depressive symptoms actually reduced a lot more than the other group that was just given that social support or that talk therapy. So that's just one of many emerging studies that's showing the positive impact of food
0: on our mental health. Absolutely. I mean, I think that not only can what we eat impact our mental health, but then when we're feeling better, we're going to treat our body better. So we're gonna choose those healthier foods. And it's like this cycle, right? Like as soon as we start to feel a little bit better, we're going to want to treat ourselves better too. So it kind of goes hand in hand.
1: Oh, so true. Danielle. you made such an excellent, excellent point there because I don't know about you, but I find that when I eat better, it's almost like it translates to other areas of my life. And I feel like other things in my life go more smoothly when I'm eating more healthy. And I don't know if you find that too, but definitely for me, I find that when I'm eating healthier, just kind of everything just kind of just goes more smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, there's also some nutrients that get burnt out in our body during times of stress. So, you know, there's a few different ones, but I'll just touch on one right now. And this is probably one of the major ones. um, And that's B vitamins. So stress completely burns out the B vitamins in your body. But the thing is, you need stress to help you, you know, you need B vitamins to help you to regulate that stress response. And vitamin B6 in particular, that's the one that helps you to manufacture the neurotransmitter serotonin that makes us feel really happy and in a great mood. So sweet potatoes is probably one of my favorite sources of B vitamins because I see sweet potatoes almost like a comfort food, right? And in fact, right now, like I actually made some like a sweet potato quinoa patties, and I look forward to eating them for lunch this week because they're just so delicious. So this is the thing, like eating healthy, it doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be, you know, tasteless. It doesn't have to taste like cardboard. These foods can be absolutely delicious. Um, But if you don't like sweet potatoes, you can also get B6 and things like um, bananas, uh, cashews, garlic, cauliflower, uh, bell peppers, so red and and green peppers. Those are also really great um, options as well.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely a sweet potato person, like obsessed. I never understand people don't like it. I'm like, it's literally a dessert in like vegetable form. And there's so many things you
1: can do with it. Yeah. You could like put it in stews. You can make desserts with it. Like it's just awesome.
0: Yeah. I love B6. (laughs) I use B6 a lot with, um, my patients with like PMS or PMDD to support mood, especially before their period.
1: Oh, that's smart. I love that. I love
0: that. Um, Um, rumination, inflammation, stress, busting nutrients. And E is for emphasis on gut health. Okay. So I have to get creative with the
1: E here. (laughs) so your gut is considered to be your second brain so it's really important that we're feeding our gut the right foods so the relationship between your brain and your gut it's bi-directional and that just simply means that your brain says messages to your gut and your gut says messages to your brain and this is done through neurotransmitters which we talked about earlier with serotonin So that's why nourishing our gut is so important because studies are now showing that the neurotransmitter serotonin that makes us feel in a good mood is actually produced in the gut, right? But then there's also some things that may like impact our gut health negatively. So there's things like antibiotics, um, you know, animal protein, processed food, alcohol, and definitely stress. And I want to touch on antibiotics for a second because I know somebody listening was probably like, "Oh my God, I'm on an antibiotic right now," but when I say antibiotics, I mean like abusing antibiotics, just being on one antibiotic, like after the next, like that's typically what I mean. Um, and your microbiome is negatively affected by overuse of antibiotics. So if you're taking it for like, you know, something you're, you're dealing with right now, by all means go ahead. But I'm more talking about like the overuse of antibiotics, antibiotics, because they kill both the good guys and the bad guys. Okay. And then we have animal foods, which pose, you know, a threat to your guts, bacteria. And that's mostly because of the way that animals are, you know, raised today. Like a lot of them are raised, you know, in like cages, they're just inhumane, like conditions and that sort of thing. And they're also fed antibiotics as well. So we have to remember that you are what that animal eats. So think about it that way, you know, when you're purchasing your meat. And if I could recommend just one thing you purchase, that's organic, I would say, you know, if you can do it, try to purchase meat organic. I get like people's budgets are tight these days for sure. But if there's only one thing you can get, I would prioritize that, especially if you're somebody that eats a lot of meat. Okay. Um, and then of course, like stress poses, you know, a gut a, um, an impact on your gut negatively as well. And then the processed foods, because processed foods, as I mentioned earlier, they just contain so many different things that we can't even pronounce, like every single letter of the alphabets in these things, you know what I mean? And that actually permeates your gut's lining as well. And there's some, there's some serious offenders here. And I like mentioning these because I know a lot of women use this and it's the coffee creamers. These coffee creamers contain emulsifiers and emulsifiers are food additives that make foods more shelf stable and also appear, um, improve like the appearance as well as the texture of food. So, you know, they're in um, ice cream, they're in salad dressings, they're in those coffee creamers, even those healthy coffee creamers as well. Um, So we definitely want to make sure that we're trying to minimize these. Again, I don't want to say don't have them. I'm not trying to be a killjoy here, but we just want to minimize, you know, some of these things in our diet. Um, And then in terms of like what improves your gut, is that what you're going to ask me?
0: (laughs) No, I was going to say, if somebody is trying to read the label and determine if there's emulsifiers, what are they looking for?
1: Um, you know, I don't know the specific names, i I have to try to get back to you on that one. Cause I don't know that for sure, but emulsifiers and definitely sugar too. Like if you see sugar in the first three ingredients, like I would definitely like leave that on the shelf too.
0: Okay. Yeah. Especially like, I know with the ingredient label and for anyone who doesn't know this, like the order that the ingredients are listed is, you know, like the first ingredient is going to be the primary ingredient. The second ingredient will be the second most, you know, in that product. So I always say to like, look at like the top five ingredients in a product You know, if you see sugar as like the very last ingredient in a list of 10, it's probably not as much of a big deal as if you see sugar listed as like the second ingredient.
1: Right, right, exactly. Thanks for mentioning that. Um, And then we have to talk about what heals, right? So we talked about what harms the gut. So now we also have to talk about what heals the gut and that's prebiotics and uh, probiotics. So prebiotics are food for your gut's bacteria while probiotics are actually beneficial bacteria. So the best way I like to explain it, because people always get them kind of confused, I say, picture your gut and just stick with me here. Do you remember the game Pac-Man? Yeah. (laughs) So I say, you know, picture the game Pac-Man, picture that as like your gut, right? So the Pac-Man are the probiotics, they're always there, right? And those little dots are the prebiotics, right? So that's like the food for your gut's healthy bacteria. That's like one of the best visual I can kind of explain to kind of differentiate the two between probiotics and prebiotics. So probiotics, you know, support the microbiome by introducing beneficial bacteria. So you can find them in fermented foods and cultured foods. So things like Greek yogurt, um, you know, kefir, sauerkraut, miso, kombucha. I love me some kombucha. Um, And then prebiotics, they feed your gut's bacteria. So some of the best foods are, you know, um, drizzle, artichokes, asparagus, um, leeks. Leeks are really great. Onions, dandelion greens, and garlic.
0: Love it. What are your thoughts on, cause I get asked about kombucha a lot. Is there like a limit to how much kombucha people should be drinking? Like I know some people are like, Oh, I kind of replace my water with it. I drink kombucha all day. I just love to hear your opinion on it.
1: Well, you know, first of all, Danielle, I would say we have to look at the amount of sugar in kombucha, right? Because not all kombuchas are created equal. There are some that are lower in sugar, and then there are some that are extremely high in sugar. So you definitely want to make sure you're looking at that label. And like Danielle said, like if you see sugar in the first three ingredients, it's probably not one that you want to be drinking on the regular. You also want to be looking at um, the nutrition facts label. You want to look at the serving size. Because let's say the kombucha is like 473 milliliters, but the serving size might actually be showing you half that. So if it's showing that it has 20 grams of sugar, that's not 20 grams of sugar in the whole bottle. That just is like in half the bottle or whatever that serving size is on the label. So definitely look at that um, as a replacement for water. I mean, I would admire people trying to eat healthier and you know how to you know have healthier drinks and that sort of thing. Maybe if you're trying to stay away from pop, you're switching over to kombucha, but as a replacer for water, I feel like that might be a bit excessive. Um, in terms of kombucha, I can only let you know what I do. I drink it maybe just a few times a week. So it could be like maybe every other day or maybe like three, like maybe, maybe three or four times a week in max, but it's not like, a, like I'm replacing my water with it. But yeah. if you do want to make your water healthier, you can always add in those, you know, those herbs, the citrus fruits, like make it look really pretty and you're going to be more likely to drink it.
0: yeah I usually use kombucha as like an alcohol replacement like if I'm going to like someone's house for a barbecue or something I'll grab a few cans of kombucha and now I feel like I'm sipping on something yes
1: I love doing that too definitely and that's what I recommend to my clients as well like if they're trying to replace that Friday night wine habit you know maybe you just have kombucha on Friday nights and then maybe Saturday night you have your glass of wine right so just compromising
0: So, you know, the pandemic has caused a ton of stress for people, of course, what is your biggest message for people as we begin to, I mean, we kind of have been starting to come out of the pandemic, but as people start to kind of like, almost like recover their adrenal glands and recover from the stress of the pandemic. I would say,
1: you know, always remember to hold compassion for yourselves. I feel like, you know, as women, we so easily show compassion to other people, but not really showing that to ourselves. And that leads to us feeling burnt out, right? And it's really important to understand that, you know, your thoughts, you know, lead to your feelings, which leads to an action. So if you have constant negative thoughts, it's gonna to lead to certain feelings in your body. It could be tightness in the chest, tightness in the stomach. Um, you know, it could be things like constipation, it could be diarrhea. And then that leads to your actions, right? So, the actions could be, you know, maybe now you're, you're driving yourself towards ice cream because now you have these negative thoughts and these feelings. So, now you want to soothe yourself with food. So, maybe now you're turning to ice cream or turning to wine or whatever your vice may be. So, that's why I always, you know, like to encourage people to work on your mindset first. Work on those thoughts that you have. Because again, it's so when we know now that our thoughts lead to our actions, it's so important to make sure that our thoughts are in the right place because that really is the ground floor for making any sort of changes in your life and also with making those changes stick. So even if you have the best of intentions, you want to do all the things, like you want to do the meal prep and all these different things. Again, like things are not going to go perfectly. This is life, right? So we have to just learn to kind of roll with the punches and just when we have. That's when, when we stumble, just having that compassion for yourself, always.
0: I think that people can get when they're trying to work on stress management, overwhelmed the idea of having to like sit and meditate for oh, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is. So something I found helpful with my patients is to just like identify where in their day they tend to be most stressed. Like whether that's maybe their morning work meeting, or maybe that's coming home you know, and having to get the house ready for their kids in the evening, just finding whenever the most stressful time is and starting to build the habit around like taking a few deep breaths or like doing your method, your rumination method of like, you know, breathing in, thinking about the thought, letting it go, maybe like doing that right before that like major stressor for their day and like kind of working on building that habit in before they try to go on to this elaborate meditation plan that I don't think is very easy to stick to for most people.
1: I love that. Yeah, I love that, Danielle. And looking at you know the areas or the times of the day where, where you tend to have the most stress. And I think that's exactly it. Like we have to go into this with a plan. Because again, we know that trust is always going to be there. So if you know stress is always gonna be there, what's your plan for when that happens? Right. Yes. So it's so important that we're planning ahead. And that's how I feel with meal prep too. It's like if you know you have a busy week ahead. Don't be like, oh my God, my week is so busy. I can't eat healthy this week because that's exactly when you do need to eat healthy when you're going through those busy or challenging times because your body needs those extra nutrients.
0: Yeah, I love that. So one question I ask all my guests is what is one wellness trend or habit you've been loving lately?
1: Oh my goodness. Hmm.
0: I think I like the,
1: the fact that people are slowing down a little bit more. I'm seeing people being a little bit more intentional with their time. Um, you know, standing up for themselves a little bit more, holding firm to their boundaries. And I will actually say, now that I mentioned, I think boundaries is the trend that I'm seeing a, a lot of women like sticking to like, you know what? Nope, this is my boundary and I'm sticking to it. And even myself, I would say I definitely learned that over the last couple of years as well, like what I will and won't, what I won't stand for and holding true to those boundaries, no matter what, because when you're not, when you don't stay true to yourself, that's when you start to lose confidence. That's when you start to feel stressed out. That's when you start to feel depleted. That's when it leads to burnout. Um, So that, yeah, definitely that's a trend that I'm seeing that I'm really, really liking right now.
0: I love that. Such an important one too, you know, especially when it comes to when we're working from home, which, you know, a lot of people still are in some capacity, setting those boundaries of when does your workday actually end and not letting your work just bleed into when you're going into bed, I think can be really challenging for some people, but really, really important when it comes to stress management and just supporting your health overall.
1: A hundred percent.
0: Um, so for everyone listening, where can people find you? How can they continue to learn more about your method?
1: So you can find me on trudyestone.com. That's my website. I'm also Trudy E Stone on Instagram. You can also find me on LinkedIn as well. I don't play around on Facebook too much. <laughs> There's too many social media channels lately. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Instagram and, and LinkedIn. Amazing. And
0: you have your own podcast, right?
1: I do. I do. It's called the Mind Your Body Show.
0: Amazing. I will link your website, your Instagram, your podcast, all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today, though. I think it's super helpful. You know, I always say that stress management is the most underrated piece of healing hormones. So I know it's gonna be really helpful for my listeners. And I just really appreciate the information you had to share today. Oh, thank you
1: so much for having me, Danielle. It's been a pleasure.
0: All right, that is all I have for you today. If you have any questions or topic requests, be sure to send them to Dr. Danielle ND on Instagram or TikTok. And make sure to go follow Trudy on Instagram at Trudy E. Stone. I will see you next Tuesday.